Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a certified microdosing practitioner, menstrual cycle coach, and feminine embodiment mentor. And I'm on a mission to break taboos around women's bodies, periods, and psychedelics. On this show, we're exploring all things spirituality, sexuality, mysticism, and empowerment. Come along as I interview other coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey towards self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. Today's topic is one that I am super fucking passionate about. As you guys know, I have been sober now for over a year, and speaking about living an alcohol-free life and the benefits that I have experienced is something that really lights me up. And so when I met Laura in The Well, which is the mindset group container that I'm in um, by Rachel Melinda, who was a guest last season, I knew I wanted to have Laura on the show because she is so passionate as well about sharing her alcohol-free life. So Laura Valvasori is a business and well-being mentor. She is the author of Good to Grow, Cultivate Your Mindset and Habits to Thrive as an Entrepreneur. She's also a certified emotion code practitioner and the creator of the Still Me But Alcohol-Free program. Now, like many women in her early 40s, Laura started to feel like alcohol was just no longer a with her body and that drinking was starting to feel out of alignment with her otherwise healthy lifestyle. Sound familiar? After hitting a breaking point, Laura says she decided to try on going alcohol-free in this quest to feel better, and now over three years later, she lives happily without alcohol. She's passionate about sharing what she has learned to help guide other women through the journey of shifting to an alcohol-free life. Now, Before we get started into this episode, I want you guys to make sure you go to the show notes because Laura has an epic program starting in February to help you become alcohol-free and still be yourself. And I know you're going to want to go to her Instagram because this woman shares some of the tastiest fucking mocktails that I have ever tried. And you know I love a mocktail now that I'm alcohol-free. So head to the show notes right now, click on those links, and listen to this chat with me and Laura all about how to live your best life without alcohol. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for our chat. I'm so excited for our chat. I'm very into, obviously, what you're all about, as the folks who listen know. Um, And I just celebrated a year of sobriety at the end of December. So I'm so jazzed to talk about this. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. So... The first question I ask all the guests who come on the show is what ignites your light within? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think what ignites my light within is following what is feeling like it's lighting me up and sharing that with passion. So there's been things I've done in my career and business that didn't necessarily make logical sense in a linear kind of way, but I get drawn to things and I know that that's an indication that it's meant for somehow to fit into the big piece of the puzzle. And when I follow those things, like writing a book at one point, um, that lights me up. And when I share that, um, people feel that passion. So it 
magnetizes people to me. So I just think that following what lights me up is what lights me up, if that makes sense. Yeah, such a feminine way to to approach things, to just let your intuition guide you. And so for folks who aren't familiar with you, um, could you introduce yourself and the work that you do? Sure. So my name is Laura Balvasori. I live in Oakville, Ontario. And for the past 10 years, I've had a marketing consulting business called Good to Grow Marketing. And last fall, I released a book called Good to Grow, Cultivate Your Mindset and Habits to Thrive as an Entrepreneur. And over the last year, so 2023, I've pulled away from a lot of my business because I had to support some people in my family. There was a lot of situations happening. Mm -hmm. And as I'm sort of re-engaging, I'm shifting my focus to show up more as a business and well-being mentor for women and sharing more of the experiences that I've had So the marketing experience, the experience of leaving a corporate job and starting into the entrepreneur world. So that's what my book's about, Um, going alcohol-free, writing, all the different things that I've had. I don't know if it's like a midlife um, crisis or awakening or something, Um, but there's like a lot of things that I've experienced that I think could help someone on the path behind me. Mm -hmm. So I'm shifting uh, my focus into that area. Yeah, definitely. It seems like you've been on the heroine's journey and now you're finding yourself. I love that. (laughs) Like you're the light ahead of the path for those folks who are maybe still in the darkness. Um, So let's talk a bit. And the focus of today's chat is really about your like sober living journey. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about like what that means to you and what it looks like for you. Because I know I've really explored sober curiosity over the last God, is it four years now? 2020 is like also a month ago and also 10 years ago. Like what is right, time? Right. It feels like COVID put yeah. this really gap in time. I understand that. Yeah. So mine started in 2020, but in 2023, I was completely alcohol free. So what does your sober living journey look like for you? So for me, it was definitely a journey, as you said. And I think that everyone has to come to the decision as whenever they're ready in their journey. And for me, it started on my 40th birthday and a friend of mine put a little um, clip together of pictures of us throughout the years. And when I was watching it, I noticed how many of the pictures had a glass of wine in my hand Mm. and it just sort of struck me, but I continued to drink. Um, And my drinking at the time, so I would say I was a habitual social drinker. So we would drink at home sort of end of a day. Sometimes we would drink in social situations Um, We have an active social life. We're boaters. It's a huge part of the boating culture. Um, So alcohol was involved in a lot of things. And around the age of 43, I had a conversation with a friend and I said, I feel like in the future I might do something with health and wellness. And she said to me, well, yeah, but you can't do that if you're drinking wine. And I was like, oh, and it just felt like this values misalignment Mm -hmm. of living this otherwise healthy lifestyle and doing this thing but I continued to drink because it was still a part of everything but that's around the time I started experiencing some symptoms and I think it's like perimenopausal midlife woman kinds of experiences I was getting a lot of heartburn Mm. and digestive issues I wasn't sleeping well, although I didn't realize how bad I was sleeping until I slept better. Mm -hmm. And I was getting some anxiety that I couldn't explain, these like bouts of anxiety. And I was feeling intuitively like it might be the wine. And I didn't want to admit that because I just couldn't imagine what life would look like without alcohol. 
So I did all the things like I think some people might identify with this. So I go to my naturopath and I take the supplements and I'd exercise and I do all these things, but I wasn't addressing the thing that I intuitively knew was probably the problem. So in July, 2020, we went on a three week boat trip and I drank alcohol almost every day of that trip probably every day because we were on vacation. It was social and it wasn't excessive drinking. It was just a bit here and there and a glass of wine or a cooler in the afternoon and that kind of thing. And by the end of the three weeks, I felt terrible. I wasn't sleeping. I was popping Tums every night Mm. and I just knew something had to change. And I came across, I feel like as the universe delivers these things to you, Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind, Mm. the day after I had that come to Jesus moment where I was like, I need to take care of this, (laughs) try something different. And I decided to try on going alcohol free and see if it made a difference. I didn't do like a 30 days. I didn't want to do a, it's forever. I just was like, this is an experiment. I'm going to see if anything changes. And the changes were so dramatic for me that I could not deny that the alcohol was having a really negative impact on me. Mm -hmm. And that was almost three and a half years ago now. And I'm hundred percent alcohol free since then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that your symptoms are very similar to the ones that I was experiencing, um, sleeplessness, anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, and a very similar, like uh, kind of similar situation. You know, my husband and I got married on April 4th, 2020 had had to cancel the wedding. Like we went ahead and got someone to sign off the paperwork. Like this was in the thick of like everything shut down, Mm -hmm. even here in Texas where we've got like the most lax rules ever. And I was shit faced pretty much that whole weekend. And I remember like going and looking back at the weekend and kind of feeling like, Oh, I mean, I remember it, but like, it just like, it just feels fuzzy. And then with all of the anxiety I was already experiencing because of the fact that I was a news anchor, I was the one that was at work. Everyone else had gotten sent home. Like I was really having to be the one that was on all the time Mm -hmm. when I was there. So much anxiety and then the sleep. And so I actually had found this book when I started my spiritual journey the year before by a woman named Ruby Warrington. Um, And I don't remember the name of the book. It was like Material Girl, Mystical World, Mystical Girl, Material World, whatever. Yeah. Um, but she was writing this book about sober curiosity and that triggered the shit out of me. I was like, absolutely not. Because like you said, I could not imagine a world without wine. Like I had been drinking at this point. I was like 33, 34 and I had been drinking like every day since I was 20, 21, maybe like there were certainly times I went without alcohol a little bit. Like I did whole 30 in like 2018 and went with right. like, I thought Very it was like a common. month or something. Yeah. And all of those yeah. Things. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time I sort of played around with it. So I played around with it for, I think six weeks then. And then another little bit of time in 2021. And then 2022 was probably one of the hardest years of my life. And while I started it kind of sober curious, it really lasted for like two and a half months. And then by the end of 2022, I realized like I was, really drinking a lot more. In 2022, I also found microdosing. So I started to really see why I was drinking. Like I knew the roots causes. I understood my Mm -hmm. subconscious like triggers. And so December 26th, the day after Christmas, I decided to stop drinking and like, here we are. And so it is such an interesting journey to leaving alcohol behind. I think it's one that sometimes takes folks a while. Like I think it took me three years. It also took me 
really beginning to, with the assistance of psilocybin, look at what the hell was making me drink because now I know I have social anxiety. Like that was one reason why I was drinking because I didn't feel comfortable with people. Mm -hmm. I think I'm very, very like sensitive to people's energies and like now, and you can attest to this too. Like, I just don't like being with people now. Like when they're drinking and I'm not (laughs) drinking, like it just pisses me off sometimes. And there's these little quirks and my husband gets it too. Like he'll notice. Um, but I just feel like life is so much better now without alcohol. And I feel like if you had told me that four years ago, I would have been like, shut your fucking mouth. There's literally no way. Absolutely. And like you were saying, you had a difficult year. I feel like the last year has been the most challenging year of my life. And I lost my dad and there was Mm. like, there's been a, a lot of things that have happened. And someone said to me the other day, like, wow, I can't believe you're not drinking after everything that's happened this year. And I said, I actually feel like that's the only reason I made it through all of these things is that I was clearly present and in a lot of the things that happened without the word that you used before being that fuzzy feeling. I feel like alcohol creates this cloud that we don't even recognize is there until it's not. And as much as we think that alcohol can support us through some of these difficult things, it actually amplifies um, the upset and anxiety. And it's an amplifier of all of those things rather than um, an answer to them in many cases. Hell yeah. I feel like if I had been drinking, you know, because even when I was like the last couple years, my drinking certainly decreased. You know, Mm -hmm. if I had not had any awareness around my alcohol last year when it was really, really tough. And like I'm saying last year, we're recording this in December. So 2022. um, Yeah. Like you said, it would have been even tougher because I was drinking and was aware of like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? So with you saying that this past year was so hard for you and you weren't drinking at all, like I really resonate with the fact that, yeah, it makes things worse, even though you don't really want to admit that it does. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah. And it's one of those things too. And I think you really said this really beautifully, like you're not ready to give it up until you're ready. And that's why it's such a journey. And no matter what we tell people, like folks listening now, maybe you're listening to this and you're in the midst of dry January and you're just now realizing it's been like two and a half, three weeks since you've had alcohol. So maybe now you're certainly starting to like notice it. But I also believe that dry January is nowhere near long enough to start to really see the benefits. I think it takes like a hundred days. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does take, um, it takes time for the physiological part for the alcohol to leave your system Mm -hmm. for your body to adjust like it takes quite some time for your body to adjust if you have been a regular drinker for a longer period of time and then it takes time to go through all the different experiences Mm -hmm. for the evidence to be created in your mind that it's possible so celebrating your first Christmas without Mm -hmm. Bailey's in your coffee in the morning and going for the first girls night out with your friend (laughs) and uh, at a bar and not having any alcohol Mm -hmm. and someone's birthday and going through a shitty day and not turning to a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. So it takes, I think that the time is really about your body adjusting, but also your mind adjusting and giving yourself more evidence that it is good and possible for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I recently, a couple months ago, went karaoke 
went to do karaoke for, for the first time sober. Right. Okay. Ha! What was that? <laughs> Confronting. Yeah. Uh, but it was also kind of funny because I was definitely the only person sober in that bar. Like you could tell. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm like, well, damn, I'm going to be like way better than all these people because they're all shit faced. Um, <laughs> and, like, and, and here's the best news. They're not going to remember. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I just get it. Like the things that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember years ago when I first started. It was actually pretty great that 2020 happened and I started to get sober curious because there was no going out. The bars were shut down. Exactly. But I noticed one huge thing. It was incredibly hard to make friends and it was incredibly hard to keep the friends who were still on this path of of drinking. So like what's been some of your big, big challenges that you've had to overcome around um, like consuming alcohol or friends or life in general? Mm -hmm. Like you said, you're so in the boating community. So how does that play out now that you don't drink alcohol anymore? Yeah, so it was an adjustment. And I, like you, luckily started this journey when there wasn't a lot of social events. Right. So the first time that we started, remember when we were getting back and getting together only outside and all of yeah. those rules and things. Yeah. So some of the first get togethers that I had with my friends, I had a bottle of non-alcoholic wine sitting beside me and they all had their bottles and I didn't tell anyone for the first probably three or four months. Ah. and they didn't know because I mean, my closest friends knew mm-hmm. and my husband knew, but I just didn't want to make a a deal of it. So I just would pour my wine in my glass. It looked like I was having what everyone else was having. It wasn't questioned. And a few months later when they found out that I hadn't been drinking and what was actually in my glass, they were like, wait, 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 like you've been doing this and you've been doing that and we've, and you've still been like a part of the thing. And I'm like, yeah, because I made the decision that, life for me was still going to be fun and I'm going to enjoy things and it's not going to be a downer that I'm not drinking. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my intro to it. And my biggest concerns when I was deciding to quit or what was holding me back from quitting was my relationship with my husband, because we enjoy a nice bottle of wine together, drink at the end of the day. um, Like you said, in the boating community, all those things. And my closest friend that we would sit on the porch and have wine. And that was like a connection for us. And I was really concerned about how that would impact our relationship. So a couple of things um, I think that were helpful. Number one, I never want to convince anyone to go alcohol free. I only want to share what my experience has been because like we talked about already, it's a journey and you have to come to the decision yourself. So I was very conscious of trying not to impose what I was doing on other people around me. My husband still drinks. He drinks less than he did. Um, And my friends still drink. And I just, I think that that made it a little bit less confronting is that I wasn't like trying to be like this cheerleader and advocate for it. I'm like, this is just what I'm doing because it's just not working for me right now. And luckily I had friends that were supportive of me and have been. And, um, yeah, so, and in the boating community, I think at the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, you've had a rough three-week vacation. My friends joke that that was the vacation that broke me. (laughs) And it really was. And they'll be like, oh, it's like a fate. Like, you shall come back. Or, you know, are you still drinking those things? And now it's just become normalized that Mm -hmm. I have a Corona sunbrew while they're having a regular sunbrew. Doesn't make any difference to me. And everyone still drinks around me. I just have my own things at the boat that I drink. And it's just like a non-issue now. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I love that you like what you said about you can't convince anybody. My when I started my spiritual journey back in 2019, I like really wanted to like drag my husband with me. Like I'm right. learning all these oh, things. Like, I'm so excited. Like, oh my goddess, like this is amazing. Yeah. And and I think that I learned pretty quickly in that journey. Like you can't get anybody to like be on this path with no. you unless like for me, it was one of those things where when he started to see how much better I felt and how much better I was in that situation, the, the spiritual situation, he kind of got more into things like breath work and, yeah. and now like cold plunge like every day. And so he's like, he gets on board once he like sees me be like the, the Guinea pig and yeah. the same thing with, um, with alcohol, right? Like I think for me, the biggest, there are two huge tests for me this year. Um, one, I went home to see my family, which is like the biggest trigger for me. And I was sober the whole time. And I really didn't even feel the desire to be like, oh my fucking God, I need a drink. Then Thanksgiving rolled around. This is literally my first sober Thanksgiving in like my whole like adult life. Right. And I remember like texting my sister-in-law before she came over and I was like, okay, this is going to be the fucking day. Like this is going to be the tr most triggering day. Um, I see now why I always wanted to have a drink. And I had thankfully gotten non-alcoholic wine for myself yep. and people were drinking wine there. And my husband for the longest time has been like, I, sometimes I really want wine, but I don't want to like have it in front of you in case it's too much of a temptation. But I will say now a year through and I, cause I've tasted it every once in a while. Like we go somewhere fun, like right. I'll tell, I'll have a taste. I'm like, Oh God, I don't even like the taste anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's gotta be for me not having consumed it for a while. And I really think that microdosing has rewired the neural pathways in my brain so that my taste has shifted to where I don't like stuff anymore. I'm like, first of all, that's like, that's kind of sad for me. Cause I'm such a, like a dry wine, like lover. And that's a very right. hard thing to replicate in a non-alcoholic wine. Right. But it's also like just shown me that, God, okay, I guess this is how we are now. <laughs> I guess yeah. we just don't drink anymore. And that yeah. was like to my like college friends who like definitely knew I was such a wino and such a lush, like it's got to be so surprising. Yeah. And your taste buds do adjust. If I've accidentally picked up my husband's glass and gone to take a sip, I'm like, oh, it's, like it tastes hot to me almost. Like I don't mm -hmm. enjoy it. And I'm sure if I muscled through, I'd go back to the palate of it. But sure. You're, you know, if you remember the first time you ever tasted alcohol, you probably did not like it. Most right. people don't. And then we get a taste for it and mm -hmm. we, you know, you muscle through and you develop a palate for it. The reality is it's a toxin. And the first time you're tasting it, your body is saying, well, this is not something you should be putting inside your body. <laughs> and it's trying to ward you away from it. But we persist because of what's normalized in society to be drinking. Mm. And um, it sort of gets trained into us. So when you come off of alcohol and you start trying some different non-alcoholic beverages, they are never going to taste exactly the same, for sure. There are some really good options out there now, and there's more and more coming onto the market. But it's an adjustment for your brain. So when I have, so I always drank Sauvignon Blanc, and I found a good non-alcoholic one that I enjoy. And in my mind, that's just what wine is now. Like that, that taste, and I enjoy it. And I have the experience of holding the glass and being a part of the situation. And some people shy away from non-alcoholic alternatives if they're coming from a place of addiction, particularly, because it can be a very triggering thing and too close to the original and put them on a bad path. Yeah. But for someone like me that made the choice to remove alcohol for health reasons, because I just wanted to feel better 
um, it, it can be a really supportive thing to have non-alcoholic beverages that make you feel like you still fit in because that's really what we are looking for in social situations. We don't want to stand out as the non-drinker. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves and we just want to still be a part of the social situation. Yeah. I think you really said it so well too. And and I think it's so interesting when you're on this side of things, like looking at all the advertisements, looking at all the commercials, no. looking at all of the no. normalization of alcohol in our life. And and I do love no. that. Thankfully, over the last four years, like we have seen a shitload of new beverage companies come online and very well established established beverage companies notice that here's yeah. the thing, like people who are non-alcoholic um, folks, they want mocktails they, and we will pay for that shit. Like I, if right. I go to a bar and they don't have a mocktail menu. I'm like, fuck y'all. <laughs> like, yeah. You would yeah, have gotten so much money from me. Like, and, and it would have been like, and, and what's the over under on that? Like you can upcharge that so much more than you can at like an alcohol because it's so much cheaper with what you're doing. I'm, I'm imagining. Um, and so I love that you found some stuff. I'm going to definitely get you to send us like some details for the because I know you have like a list or a masterclass. Like we can put a link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, because you're a list for like, yeah. um, I need to know what that Sav Blanc is. I'm obsessed with Sav Blancs and Cab Sav. Yeah. So yeah. the reds are, tr- reds are trickier. I have ugh, to warn you. They you are. have to go to some of the premium brands because the process of de-alcoholizing wine, number one, depends on the quality of the wine they start with. And a lot of producers will take their shittier wine and they'll de-alcoholize it. Mm -hmm. Then they have to add some sugar back in to to balance it out. And the amount of sugar that goes back in, it's kind of, that's where the art is in making a good non-alcoholic wine. And it's never going to have quite the same mouthfeel. Although I had a tip from someone last week that adding a dash of bitters. Um, okay. There's some non-alcoholic bitters. You can get them in the U.S. We can't get them here yet. They're just starting to come here. Um, but if you add a dash of bitters, it can help with the mouthfeel to the wine. I haven't tried it yet, but All somebody right. just recommended I try that the other day. I will certainly recommend. I will certainly try that. Um, what's been your like most surprising benefit? Because I'm sure your sleep is better. I'm sure your anxiety is better. Your skin's probably better. Like overall health is better. But is there anything like surprising to you that's been better since you left alcohol behind? So I would say being 100% alcohol free um, has taken all of the mental chatter away. And that's been, I think, more so than a lot of the physical benefits. The mental benefits for me have really been the game changer. So I used to spend time thinking about like, okay, um, I'm not going to have a drink tonight or I'm not, we're not going to drink during the week. As an example, like during COVID our consumption started to go up, like many people creeping up, particularly women. And I was like, okay, no, we're going to, we're just going to not drink during the week. And then it would be like a Wednesday night and something had happened. I'm like, Oh, I deserve a glass of wine. I just had this awful day. So I'd have the glass of wine. And then the next morning I wake up feeling kind of groggy or foggy And then I'd be pissed off at myself because I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do. And then I'd go back into the thing. And it was this, this pattern of mental chatter or deciding like, I'm only going to drink at special occasions, but well, it's my friend's birthday. Mm -hmm. And then it's this. And so all of that um, negotiating in your mind is draining of your energy for other areas. And when I have taken alcohol out 100%, which is why I think it's easier to be 100% alcohol-free versus moderating, mm-hmm. that's all gone. There's no decision-making. There's no thought process. 
it's just a non thing. So I think that that is probably what surprised me most is the amount of mental capacity that I was taking mm-hmm. thinking about alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I've in the years before I was sober for that full year, I certainly would have called myself a mindful drinker, but mm. it was very surprising to me how literally one glass yeah. meant I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning and I was anxious. Like it didn't have to be like I was wasted. It was like one glass of wine meant I was going to have bad sleep mm-hmm. and I was going to feel anxious about the stupidest things. And, uh, and I think that's, I think, yeah, I think for some folks, I'm sure that you can be a mindful drinker or you can drink like a couple times a year and, and maybe you also are anxious or maybe that's not a thing that was one of your symptoms, but what's been interesting to me. And I think I want like folks who are listening to this to know is like, don't be surprised. Okay. So I was thinking I'm going to quit alcohol. I'm going to lose so much weight. I'm yeah. gonna, you know, like, cause in my twenties I would have, right. Like, but obviously I'm 37, you're in your forties. Like shit gets yeah. different whenever you're hitting right. perimenopause, menopause. Don't be surprised if you leave alcohol behind and you suddenly have terrible sugar cravings. Right. That is like, absolutely something that happens that I <laughs> warn people about because um, yeah, so I quit in August and I remember that first Halloween rolling around and <laughs> eating all these little chocolate bars that I normally wouldn't be eating. I'm like, what is going on? Like, why am I so into all this? And I realized that it was, it was two things. One is you're used to consuming a lot of sugar when you're having alcohol on a regular basis. So your body's looking for a little bit of that. Your body's also looking for that little dopamine hit mm-hmm. So that's the second one. And the third thing is I recognize that I was using it sort of as a reward. So I'm like, well, I'm not having a glass of wine on Halloween when the trick-or-treaters come around like I normally would. So I'm like, I can have six candy bars. So that is something to be mindful of in those first few weeks Mm -hmm. and having the awareness and having some healthier sweet options to sort of satisfy that craving and to Mm -hmm. catch yourself if you recognize yourself going into that reward pattern of replacing yeah and it's a big process for your body to go through to come off of the alcohol so just to give yourself some grace too so if you eat a few extra candy bars in that thing like that's okay like you are taking something out that is so damaging to your health Mm -hmm. again the sugar is not good but it's like a it's like a phase I feel like you go through yeah I used to be you know and folks who listen to the podcast often know I had a really long history with eating disorders and the last like disordered eating I really was going through was I guess more like orthorexia. So like I was tracking religiously and I would track my wine and the oh. way that my like online nutritionist was, uh, and she wasn't a nutritionist. She was like a fucking trainer. Let's not let that lady have more credit than she used to. But, um, she was like, okay, you can track this as carbs or you can track it as fats. Like it doesn't count as protein. I'm like, okay. And that was just mm-hmm. like, it's not like it really was fats, right. but it was like how my calories were going right. to add up at the end of the day. And I recently started um, tracking again just because I had gotten really off balance about like what was health and what was just like me not giving a fuck. Right. And I like as I'm reopening the my fitness pal app, I like see my past things and I'm like, okay, like I see where you did this. Like I see the fact that like this is how much like sugars you were consuming because mm-hmm. it's the carbs. And then I remember when I first stopped drinking, I was like, oh, well, I'm not drinking tonight. This is how many carbs I would have had if I was drinking because I was still tracking. I can have ice cream instead. Right. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right. So, so we yeah, play these games and trick ourselves, but yes, yeah, so it absolutely. Can the, the weight yeah. gain piece, yeah. I feel sure. like when men stop, they drop weight in four minutes, and mm-hmm. so I think it's different as well. Like you said, for women's bodies at yeah. different ages as well. 
Yeah. So you said that you've recently really shifted from this like marketing background mindset into including, um, mm-hmm. supporting people through their alcohol-free journey. So, um, can you talk a little bit more about like why support is so crucial when you're going through this? Mm-hmm. So I was finding that I have a lot of women reaching out to me and asking me for non-alcoholic beverage recommendations. Yeah. I get those texts and emails all the time. And I feel like I wanted to say to them, like, here's some, I'm happy to share some options, but there's a lot more to it. It, You can't just buy the non-alcoholic beer and expect that that's, it's just going to magically change overnight. It takes, um, I think it first takes really understanding what alcohol is doing to your body to start shifting your mindset and how you look at alcohol. And then it's understanding a lot of your subconscious beliefs and what you're believing to be true. Like the things I talked about, like it's going to affect my friendships. I'm not going to socialize all of the different things. And then preparing yourself to release it by setting your environment up in the right way, having some alternatives, having some different supports, like managing what's going into your mind, all of those things, and then finding different ways to cope. So like you mentioned earlier, breath work, meditation, yoga, like tapping, all the different things to have alternative to support yourself mm-hmm. on the days when you would have turned to a drink. So knowing all of those things that I've experienced through my own journey, I'm a huge reader. So I've read tons of books at the beginning of this and podcast listener. I thought it wouldn't be great if I could bring together a lot of what I've learned in sort of a succinct way to guide women through this path Mm -hmm. and give them the opportunity to have a long enough break to experience some of the benefits, to have a real understanding of what alcohol is doing, giving them some of those tools to cope and sort of letting them then make a decision at the end as to what feels right for them Mm -hmm. and treating it sort of as a launching pad, not just like a 30 day thing, but like a a setting you up for success, which is what I've brought together into the program I'm launching February 1st called Still Me But Alcohol Free. Mm. So for six weeks, we're going to go through all of what I've talked about in a group experience and have a Facebook group where we can all chat and talk about the experience you're going through it with other people. And it can be lonely. Like the journey can be lonely, especially if you don't have anyone else around you ready to go on that journey. Mm -hmm. And it And as I've said before, like, it's such a personal choice that if you feel inside that it's, it's the right thing for you, finding others to support you and surround you can make a huge difference in your success. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'd love to, to hear why, and I think I know why, but like your unique background as this like mindset mentor, this energy practitioner that you are as well has to further benefit people that you work with, especially on this path. Like, how could it not? Yeah, I have a very mixed background. So I have all my marketing experience, my business experience. I've studied mindset deeply. I wrote my book that was largely based on mindset. And then in the last year, through a lot of the crisis that's happened to my family, I've um, explored different modalities around energy healing. So I'm a certified emotion code practitioner. I practice Reiki, all of these other things that I'm going to bring some of that into the program as well. So in the first couple of weeks, when your sleep can sometimes be disrupted, I'm going to do some group Reiki sessions to support people and offer the option for them to do some emotion code sessions at a discounted price and just to release some of those things. It's just, I feel like it's a nice 
support in addition to sort of the academics of going through the situation. So, um, yeah, so that's it. There's this sort of spiritual connection. You talked about being on a spiritual journey. The other thing that I experienced when I released alcohol that I didn't expect is it really opened up my intuition Mm -hmm. and my spiritual journey like cracked Mm -hmm. open. So my meditations changed. I've been meditating for probably maybe seven years now or so. And so I meditate morning and night for about 15 minutes. And I noticed a big difference in like I was seeing colors and I was seeing like things that hadn't happened for me before. And then a lot of things opened up around like signs and synchronicities and my own intuitive abilities. It all really started to open up when I took the alcohol out, which I think is a very low vibration substance. And it just opened things for me. It was, have you had any of those experiences? Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think now looking back, I'm like, was it the alcohol no longer being in my body or was it all of the mushrooms? Um, but I think, you know, for sure, recently in the past couple of months, I've noticed that for me, like I never would have called myself empathic. I would have never called myself like sensitive. And I think what happened for me and the way that alcohol really played its major part for me was as I was a news anchor and I had to like build this wall around my heart so that I didn't fucking crumble every day alcohol really became a tool to help fortify that wall. Like I was like more and more able to disconnect from um, my own personal internal feelings, but also like I could shut the door on what had happened every day. Like when I got home after the newscast and like drink alcohol and I'd be like, okay, whatever. And that was what was really painful. I think in the beginning, because as the alcohol left my system and I became more and more into connecting with what was keeping that wall around me as it crumbled, that's when all hell broke loose for me. That's why I had mm-hmm. to leave my job. I experienced massive amounts of anxiety and depression and PTSD as the psilocybin was helping to like make the wall come down. And for a while, alcohol was still around to like sort of, okay, we're going to like, I don't know if this makes sense, but like it, the cell side was trying to crumble the wall and then like the alcohol was like these like little patchers that were trying to like put it back together right. and, like keep right. it just, and, and and ultimately for me the sacred earth medicine like was like no like this shit has got to go and like knocked it all down and i was so fucking vulnerable and so it was so tender to look at that stuff um yeah. and it's so raw. yeah raw it was so raw and, yeah so raw and what I noticed this past year was that when I was intentionally working with psilocybin, yes, that is when my meditations got so much better, but the longer I went without alcohol in my system, the more I wanted to do the things that felt like they were supportive to my spiritual journey. And weirdly enough, so I always say I'm like the least fun at parties because now I can't drink caffeine. Like something happened last year where I became extremely sensitive to caffeine and I would get a headache. Like I've tried multiple times to like retest myself to see, and I'll have like a half calf and I don't, a headache will happen like before the cup is done. So now I'm alcohol free and caffeine free. And I think that one that's helped to really make me realize like I'm very sensitive to people's energies. I'm very sensitive to my own energy and I can pick up on things, which I don't think I ever really thought of. I'm also incredibly like, um, 
what is it like clairvoyant? Like I like can weirdly like know something's going to happen before it's going to happen. And I think that that's always been around because Mm -hmm. there were times when I was in my twenties and I knew things, but I was like so scared to like admit them. Like I knew my ex-husband was a POS long before like the divorce happened. Um, so I do think that it's opened up that like intuitive channel. And the other thing I think that it's done and this is probably like a good and a bad thing. Like my dreams are wild. <laughs> and I remember them all. Like last night I had a very strange dream about how I took my dog to a Taylor Swift concert at a hockey rink. Hmm. And other things happened that were really strange, but like very bizarre. So it has opened that up. So life is in that way a whole lot more fun because I'm able to explore things in my intuition, things in my spiritual path, things in the astral plane. Um that I would never have been able to explore if I was still getting wasted every night or even just drinking one glass of wine every night. Um, but I think what's been really unique for me is this whole idea that like, I felt like there was like a, a jacket of chain mail on me for my entire twenties and even my early thirties. And I thought that that was mostly because of the trauma that I'd experienced and the anxiety and the mental challenges that I was going into. But like now I realize that alcohol was a very huge part of that piece that was holding me down, like, and not necessarily making it so that I couldn't move forward and do what I needed to do because I was still extremely successful and overachiever. But now that it's not there anymore, there is just a lightness and like a weightlessness that feels like, I don't think I'll ever drink again. Maybe that'll shift. Maybe, but like, it's just yeah. so fascinating to be on this side of it. And I just, and I mm-hmm. know that even 18 months ago, this wasn't something that I had realized. That's one of the reasons um, the name for the program sort of came to me as a download one day. That's still me alcohol free. And it just felt like, oh, that's it. And it's really about like exactly what you just described. It's like, you don't even know who you are without alcohol until yeah. you give yourself the opportunity to know. And you may have this sort of cloud that you didn't even recognize was there until it's gone and you may experience physical symptoms that you had no idea were connected until they're gone so it's like who am i if i change my relationship with alcohol i'm still me but alcohol free and how do i like how do i experience life and what changes and it's really not about the alcohol it's about it's about living your best life like having the energy to show up and build a business or be there for your kids or be there for your family. And that's really what it's about. It's about just doing something that allows you to show up as your best self, Mm -hmm. to create what you're meant to create, do what you're meant to do. And it just takes something off of the plate of something that's holding you back. Like as a perimenopausal, menopausal woman, there is enough going on in the body that is (laughs) working against you. And this is something that is so um, available to change. And I was interviewed yesterday. I did an interview with my naturopath and she has an autoimmune podcast. And she was sharing that she has women come in all the time. They spend thousands of dollars on supplements and working with her and doing all the things. And they'll follow everything that she prescribes to them to a T, except they say, don't touch my wine. Mm. (laughs) They're not willing to do that. And she said, it's like you're putting fire onto something. Like if you're in an inflammatory state, like alcohol causes inflammation in the body. So if you're already use it, have an autoimmune disease, 
and you're putting fire on, but you're putting supplements in and doing other things. It's like you're, 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 you're working against yourself. Yeah. And so many, similar to the way that you talked about how the psilocybin and the alcohol were kind of competing. And it's something that we can change at a time when so many things are changing in our bodies beyond control. And um, it's something that we can do that impacts anxiety and hot flashes and many of the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing that I've realized has gotten better is sex. Mm. Which is funny because I think that like in the tw- my 20s, like you wanted to be drunk to have sex. Like when you're like, right. and maybe still like, you know, I'm, I've been married for years and it sounds like you have too. Like maybe yeah. if I was dating, it'd be different. If I was like having sex with new people, maybe it wouldn't be as, as great as it is now. But it's like something about getting rid of alcohol and also doing the internal work that was necessary to leave alcohol behind has made me way better at communicating my needs, my wants, my desires. I'm like, let's be honest, I'm wetter because I'm way better hydrated. (laughs) And it's just like, that is something that for me was, it wasn't like an immediate shift to where sex immediately got better. But now I look back and like, damn, okay. Over the last six months, it has been way easier. I've, I've just enjoyed it a lot more. Um, And so I think that's another thing that folks at least from my perspective, maybe can like not even expect, but potentially experience is this. It's like, I know myself so much better now. I know what I want. And that has also for me as someone who teaches a lot about pleasure seeped into the bedroom. Right. And it, you are more able to feel and experience things in your body because there's not this um, numbing kind of effect that alcohol has. So people think that the, alcohol takes away the inhibitions and it can to a point, but you're also not able to physically feel a lot of the sensations in your body because alcohol numbs it. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. That makes perfect sense because I remember how numb I was like physically, especially after I came off of birth control and now how much drinking I was doing. I'm like, Oh my God, is that why I could not feel my clit? (gasps) Possibly. (laughs) So fascinating, right? So yeah, lots of a new world to experience. It is. Yeah. yeah. So tell us more about Still Me Alcohol Free. We, we know it's starting February 1st, but how can folks learn more? Are you doing any like information sessions around that? Yeah. So I have an on-demand mentor class that you can take right now. Love it. So it's called Five Hacks to a Happier, Happier, Happy Hour Alcohol Free. Okay. It's a mouthful. <clears throat> so it's a 40 minute class and I walk through some tips and strategies on how to still have fun while you're socializing. And when you sign up for that, you also get to download a copy of my favorite drink recommendations guide. And for my Canadian friends, we have a discount code for clearsips.ca as well. So that's something that is available anytime. And then to find me, the best is probably Instagram where I'm sharing a lot because I'm in this transition phase. I don't have a full website up right now. So I'm using Instagram for a lot of the communications. So it's Laura underscore Valvasori. Wonderful. We will put all of those links in the show notes below. Is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't talked about? No, I think we've covered a lot and I just really appreciate the experience to share about this. It is something that I was hesitant to talk about for a long time. But as I had more and more people approaching me, I thought this is a conversation that we need to be having. And 
to normalize not drinking as just a part of a healthy lifestyle, not having to come at it from a place of addiction or having a drinking problem, that you can choose to make this decision with the intention of feeling better, being healthier, and just living a better life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Laura. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys loved that conversation as much as I did. I love connecting with women who have experienced an alcohol-free life and have experienced these benefits, and I really feel like Laura has this wonderful way of sharing her own insights without it being preachy or pushy, because you know we fucking hate that. So like I said at the very beginning, head to the show notes, click on her Instagram bio. If you want to try some bomb-ass mocktails, Laura is your woman. And if you are feeling called to give up alcohol in 2024 and you want some support, I highly recommend Laura's program. It starts in just a few weeks. So head to the show notes. Now, one more thing before we go, as I have been talking about on my Instagram and here in the podcast, the sanctuary is open, babe. This is the sacred space for mystical women to awaken their pleasure, power, and purpose in community with their sacred sisters. You can join us now for free using the show code, the light within all of the links are in the notes below. Have yourself a wonderful week. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. And remember there is no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time, babe.